When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Abgenommen bedauert. I've just seen it in the paper. 
I see. When? Uh, very well, I'll expect you. Yes, yes. Goodbye. What does he want? Advice. He's coming straight here from the airport. Before he sees the police? I think that's rather the point. He's flown in on an earlier flight. They don't expect him yet. Interesting, eh? Did he sound to you in a flat? He sounded very tense. It looks as if we might have to make some extra room on that plate after all. Will you check this report, Mr. Blake? I've done three carbons. Oh, thanks, Paula. I'll run through them. Have you been through to Chief Inspector Coots? I can't get him. He's not at the yard. Did you try the flat in Clarges Street? Yes, he's not there either. Sergeant Bates doesn't know where he's gone. Good old Coots. I bet he's tackling the job with the energy of a bulldozer composer. Don't underestimate Coots, Tinker. He lacks imagination, but he's a very sound man. I'll try the yard again. Keep on trying, Paula. Linfield hasn't turned up, has he? He's had loads of time to get it from the airport. It's over three hours since he rang up. The police may have been waiting at the airport in spite of that earlier flight. He'd have to deal with them first. There he is now. Will you see him right away? Yes, shoot him in. Getting impatient, isn't he? Oh, good morning. Can you tell me if Mr. Linfield is here? Who's that? I believe Mr. Blake is expecting him. He isn't here yet. Uh, would you like to see Mr. Blake? Yes. Yes, I would, please. What name shall I say? Carr. Iris Carr. Well, if you'll just wait in my office, I'll see if Mr. Blake can see you. Did you hear that, Mr. Blake? Yes, bring her in, Paula. What's she like? Young, smartly dressed, very pretty. I wonder what she wants, Governor. Henry Linfield, apparently. Uh, Mr. Blake will see you. Oh, thank you. Miss Carr, Mr. Blake. Uh, sit down, Miss Carr. You expected to find Mr. Linfield here? Yes. He told me he was coming to see you when he phoned me. He phoned this morning? Yes, early, just after eight, from London Airport. He said he was calling in to see me at the flat on his way here. When he didn't turn up, I thought I'd come round here and see what had happened. I was getting worried. Why? Well, you know about his wife. Did you know her, Miss Carr? No. No, I didn't. It was a terrible shock when I heard that You heard? You didn't read about it in the newspaper? No, Harry, Mr. Linfield told me when he rang up this morning. I see. Well, I can understand it being a shock, but why were you worried? Did you think that Mr. Linfield had anything to do with it? No, of course not. Well, how could he? He was in Cannes. So why were you worried? Because he didn't turn up at your flat? Well, yes, I suppose that was it. What can have happened to him? Where is he? Probably helping the police with their inquiries. Do you know why he was coming to see me? No, he didn't tell me. Did he sound at all agitated when he phoned you? Yes, very. I thought he was scared. Do you know of any reason why he should be? No, but that's how he sounded. Afraid. Uh, excuse me. Yes, Paula? I've got Chief Inspector Coots on the line. Now put him through, will you? Uh, Blake here, Coots. We've been trying to get you. Yes, I know. What? Where was this? I see. Where are you now? The yard, good. Do you mind if I come and see you? Yes. I'll explain then. Well, it might. No. So long, then. With you soon. Paula? Yes, Mr. Blake? I'm sending Miss Carr along to your office. Will you look after her? Give her some coffee. You know the way to my secretary's office, Miss Carr. Tinker and I have to go out, but I want you to stay here till we get back. We shan't be long. But supposing Mr. Linfield Just comes. leave everything to my secretary. Oh, very well. I didn't want to say anything in front of the girl. Henry Linfield won't be coming. He's dead. Dead? Stabbed to death in a public call box at London Airport. That's all, Blake. A man went to make a call. Found Linfield huddled on the floor of the call box. Gave the alarm to the airport police... They told our man who'd gone to meet the plane. He phoned me. You saw the body? Straight away. Heard you'd been trying to get me when I got back. What time was he found? Twenty minutes past eight this morning. I was at Clarges Street. He was stabbed in the back. Died almost at once, but not quite. Scrawled the word Sam in the dust. Sam? Mean anything to you? No. Linfield phoned me to ask if he could see me. Conversation was brief and to the point. He gave no information. Look here, Blake. How do you come into this? You say Linfield phoned you? Yes, but I don't know why he wanted to see me. Perhaps he knew who killed his wife. Damn queer business. Like 
Pamela Mortimer, Marigold Bradley, and Edith Woodsorpe, eh? Funny you should say that. I've been thinking the same. No motives, husbands with cast-iron alibis, all very neat and slick coats. Too neat and slick. Agreed. Husbands the only ones to benefit, but none of them within miles of the victims. Witnesses to prove it. Extremely well organized, eh? Now, what are you getting at, Blake? Now, who'd be fool enough to commit murder to benefit somebody else? Someone who was getting a large slice of the profit. Oh, come now. Might be possible in one case, but not in four. Can you see anybody saying to a chap, how much will you pay me if I bump off your wife so that you come into the money? Hmm. Not very feasible, is it? I'd say it was rubbish. Nobody'd stick their neck out that far. It mightn't have been done like that. Any idea how it could have been done? Somebody was afraid that Linfield might tell us. Such as Sam... I suppose you're checking up to see if he knew anyone named mm, Sam. Got it in hand. Checking up the servants, too. Think they're all right, but got to make sure. By the way, how did the murderer get into the flat? Now, Mrs. Linfield must have let him in. No sign of a forced entry. Or he had a key. Mm. Where was she when she was killed? Well, the telly was on. Suppose she must have been watching it. Didn't put up much of a fight. Heart tight, if you ask me. Reeked of gin. Chief Inspector Coots? Oh, yes, sir. Now? Very good, sir. AC wants me. VIP, Mrs. Linfield was. American citizen before her marriage to Linfield. Hamburger heiress. Dollars galore. Well, I'll be off. Oh, just one thing. I'd like the official files on those other women. Well, I wasn't on those cases, Blake, but I'll have them sent round. Thanks. If you turn anything up, I'll let you know. Uh, goodbye for now. Uh, don't let the commissioner get you down. I won't. I'm all right now, Mr. Blake. Sure. I'm sorry, I was so silly. Do you mind if I ask you some questions? About Harry. How long have you been friends? About 18 months. I used to model for Madeleine LaRoche. Mrs. Linfield bought a lot of her dresses there, and Harry came with her sometimes. That's how I met him. I see. He was very unhappy. Mrs. Linfield wasn't a, a nice woman. She drank quite a lot. She used to have fits of temper and rave at him. So he spent as much time as he could with you? Yes. Mrs. Linfield had no idea. No. Did he talk to you about his friends, people he knew? Sometimes. He had to meet a lot of people. Mrs. Linfield entertained a good bit, you see. Did he ever mention anyone named Sam? Sam? No, I don't think so. No, I'm sure he didn't. Well, thank you, Miss Carr. Now you'd better go home. I'll get Tinker, my assistant, to drive you no, there. please don't bother, Mr. Blake. I can get a taxi. I feel quite all right now. Please, I kept you here. The least I can do is to make sure that you get home safely. Tinker, coming, Governor. One last question before you go, Miss Carr. Have you any idea who arranged this trip to Cannes? Was it Mr. Linfield's wife by any chance? Oh, no, it wasn't Mrs. Linfield. I believe it had something to do with the Samaritan Club. What did you... Just a minute, Tinker. Did you say the Samaritan Club, Miss Carr? Yes. What is the Samaritan Club? I don't really know. Harry mentioned it once, but I don't know anything about it. Thank you, Miss Carr. I think I'll take Miss Carr home to her flat, will you? With pleasure. You've been very kind, Mr. Blake. Oh, nonsense. Look after yourself and don't worry too much. Ask Paula to come in, Tinker, as you go out. Okay, Governor. Come along, Miss Carr. You want me? I want all the information you can get me about a place called the Samaritan Club, Paula. What sort of club is it? I can't tell you. I know nothing about it except the name. But I believe Henry Linfield was starting to scrawl the name in the dust on the floor of that call box and die before he could finish it. Sorry I've been so long, Governor. I hope you didn't want me for anything. It would have been all the same if I had. What have you been up to? Well, I made Iris have a meal. She hadn't eaten anything at all. Didn't even have any breakfast. I felt sorry for the kid. Remarkable how deeply you always sympathize with a pretty girl, Tinker. The more attractive she is, the deeper your sympathy. We only talked about Henry Linfield, so don't get any ideas, Governor. She was nuts about him. She's a right little honey. If you can detach your mind from beauty and distress for a moment, I've got a job for you. What is it? The Samaritan Club. Paula's got some gin on it, but I could do with some more. A lot more. Where is this place? In Hartford Street. It's run by a man with the unlikely name of Montague Glasspool. It's a membership club, very exclusive from what I can gather. And the membership is limited. Linfield was a member, was he? I'm pretty sure of it. Extremely expensive. Well, Iris says that Linfield never had any money. His wife kept him short of cash. She paid all the bills, but uh, 
but was mean with the spending money. Oh, that's interesting. Go along and see what you can find out about this place. Pick up all the gossip you can. I doubt if you'll get any information from the people connected with the club, but people in the immediate neighborhood may talk. I'll do my best, Governor. And take care, Tinker. Keep your eyes skinned. Henry Linfield didn't stab himself. I remember when all these here houses belonged to the gentry. Townhouses, they called them. Used to work as a boot boy at one of them, I did. Now look at them. Officers. And these here clubs. And the gambling. The Samaritan Club looks a posh sort of place. What used to be Lord Larkin's place? Oh, used to run errands for him, I did. Had a nifty little piece for housemaid, he did. Cool. And now you work for Montague Glasspool, eh? That's right. Cool, what a difference. Thinks he's class. But he ain't. Wouldn't have got near Harvard Street in the old days. Well, here's luck. Cheers. Class Paul lives in the club, doesn't he? He got a flat on the top floor where the servants used to sleep. That little housemaid I was telling you about, she slept in the room he uses as a bathroom. Used to call me Ginger, she did. Cause I'm here. Well, I ain't got none now. You know most of the members, I suppose. Oh, I know them all. There ain't a lot, you know. His nibs is a bit choosy. Well, he's got to be, ain't he? I mean... No good if they're short on the sausage and mash. Lose a lot of money, do they? Sometimes. But sometimes they win the packet. Do you ever have any trouble? Dub checks, anything like that? Oh, we don't have that sort. Hand-picked, I remember this. Very strict, as Nibs is. You'll be surprised at the number of applications what gets turned down. Did you know a chap named Linfield? Henry Linfield? That was the bloke whose wife got bumped off. Here. How did you know he was a member? Uh, it, it was in the papers, wasn't it? What's your game, eh? Asking all these here questions. Oh, just a matter of interest. You get yourself interested in something else, see? I ain't supposed to talk about our members. Not to no one. I ain't, no. Sorry, I didn't mean to speak out of turn. If I was a bit nosy, it was because I was wondering if there was any chance of a job. But it's the then. Oh, not a ruddy hope. Same not if it was there when it opened. Still, I suppose there wouldn't be any harm in me seeing Mr. Glossball and asking. You'll be lucky. Like blinking royalty, as Nibs is. You won't see no one. Well, I must be off. Oh, have another pint before you go. No, I ain't got no time. Got to change the uniform, see? It'll take me five minutes to get to the club. How much as my job's worth to, to be late? Uh, I was in the saloon bar near the glass petition. Couldn't help overhearing our conversation with Ginger, so I thought I'd come round. You seem to be very interested in the Samaritan Club. Any law against being interested? None. As long as it doesn't become extreme. Tell me, why are you interested? That's my business. And mine. Let me introduce myself. I'm Montague Glasspool. I don't know who you are or what you think you're after, but I'm warning you. I'm allergic to snoopers. Good evening. question about Henry Linfield that made him suspicious, Tinker. I've got to kick myself for that. Old Ginger spotted it and went all cagey. It was a mistake. There's been nothing to connect Linfield with the Samaritan Club. What's this man Glasspool like to look at? Hefty brute, but a bit flabby. Large tummy and a nose to match. Veneer of polish, but not very deep. Ginger's description was bang on. I hope for the old boy's sake Glasspool didn't hear that bit. He's the doorman of the club, isn't he? Yeah. It must be over 70. I made several inquiries before I got the Ginger. The Samaritan seems a very respectable, very expensive and very exclusive. Gambling is the chief attraction, but there's a restaurant and a bar for the use of members, of course. Any women members? No, gents only. Not very helpful, eh? I don't know. I've got an idea niggling at the back of my mind, but even if I'm right, it's going to be very difficult to prove. Well, let's hear it, Governor. Not yet, Tinker. Oh, thank goodness that's over. Oh, didn't you have a good time, Paula? A good time? Give me strength. Where have you been? You've been having dinner with Percival Falconbridge Fuchs. Two small Fs. He knows everybody who's anybody in the West End and exists like one of the lilies of the field. I'm glad to say that the evening cost you 20 pounds and the price of the dinner. Well, I hope you had a good one. Considering I was paying the bill, I made certain of that. You look charming, Paula. Quite a dish. Well, it didn't stir any response in the breast of that... that tadpole. The only thing that stirs any response in the breast of Mr. Falconbridge Fuchs is the welfare of Mr. Falconbridge Fuchs. Did you get anything? Yes, I think so. Edward Mortimer, Charles Bradley, and James Woodthorpe are all members of the Samaritan Club. And so was Henry Linfield. That's what you wanted to know, isn't it? It is indeed. You've done extremely well, Paula. The expense is the most boring evening I've ever spent. I should have thought you would have found Percival Falconbridge Fuchs a charming companion. 
His manners are impeccable. A mentally retarded Prince Charming. Can I go home now? I'm exhausted. Yes, Paula, and thanks very much. Oh, don't worry. I shall charge you overtime. Good night. See you both in the morning. Is this chap as bad as Paula makes out? On the whole, yes, but he gets around, knows everybody, goes everywhere, at someone else's expense. I've used him before, but his information's reliable. So all the husbands of the dead women were members of the Samaritan Club? Significant, eh? Meaning that Montague Glasspool is the chap behind a murder? In a way, yes. It's not really quite as easy as that. Well, I wouldn't call any of it easy, but I suppose you know best. That's just the trouble, I don't. I wish I did. Well, anyway, what do we do next? You can work this one out if you like. Take five from three. You can't take five from three, Governor. Annoying, isn't it? Well, I'm going to bed. Tomorrow looks like being quite a day. Well, I've got most of the dope you wanted, Blake. It took a bit of doing in the time. Ah, uh, thanks, Coot. It needed to be done officially or we could have handled it. What's the verdict on Glasspool? What you'd expect. Been in all kinds of deals. Some paid off, some didn't. No record. Never been in trouble. And one thing, though... He was on the verge of going bankrupt just after he opened the Samaritan Club. Oh, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, I thought you might be. He got out of it somehow. No information how. There wouldn't be. He began to make money, loads of it. The bank, a bit cagey, disclosing information. Got hold of a chap in the Inland Revenue. He did the trick. And the result? Glass pools rolling in it. Nearly a millionaire. Ties up, eh? Quite tightly, Cruz. I can't do anything. No proof. I might be able to supply that. What are you going to do? I'm going to the Samaritan Club. I want to have a little talk with Mr. Montague Glasspool. Good evening, sir. Only members is allowed in the club. I have an appointment with Mr. Montague Glasspool. My name is Sexton Blake. Overtick, sir. I'll get onto the house phone. Thank you. I've got a gentleman here, sir. Name is Sexton Blake. What said he's got an appointment? Yes. All right, sir. Will you go up, sir? Lift just round that corner. Top floor, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. as I require, Mr. Glasspool. What? I don't like your turn. You'll like it even less as time goes on. What the hell do you mean? I agreed to see you because I... I told you that Linfield had talked and you were scared. Rubbish. What have I got to be scared about? Who did he talk to and what about? He had a girlfriend, Iris Carr. He talked to her. When? London Airport, after he arrived back from Cannes. But there wasn't time. Go on, Glasspool. You were going to say there wasn't time before he died. You're mad. Get on to my flat. Where shall I go? To the police? They'd be interested in what Iris Carr told me. As neat a little murder set-up as was ever planned. I've got nothing to do with any murder set-up. Pamela Mortimer, Marigold Bradley, Edith Woodthorpe, and Beatrice Linfield. I didn't kill them. You can't prove anything against me. It was your brilliant scheme, Glasspool. If Mrs. Bradley's husband kills Mrs. Mortimer, while Edward Mortimer is provided with a perfect alibi, no suspicion can attach to Mortimer. Although he inherits his wife's fortune. Bradley has no motive, so he's safe. Or again, if Mortimer kills Mrs. Bradley, and Bradley is supplied with an alibi, no suspicion can touch him. Ridiculous. Fantastic. Do you think these men would commit murder because I asked them? Well, they had to, didn't they? They owed you so much money, they had to dance when you called the tune. You threatened to tell their wives, and they knew the result of that. They'd have been kicked out without a penny. Your way, they got a fortune. In spite of the slice they had to pay you... And they got rid of a middle-aged, probably nagging wife into the bargain. You can't prove any of this. No, I can. You've forgotten Iris Carr. That's where the whole scheme came unstuck. Linfield. He was weak enough to agree to the murder of his wife, but unlike the rest of the precious bunch, he had some remnants of conscience. It started working in Cannes. Oh. What did he do? Ring you up and tell you he couldn't go through with it? Now, look here. If you know all this, why did you come to me instead of going to the police? You're a rich man, Glasspool. Does that mean what I think it means? It depends on what you think it means. I'm willing to do a deal. I'm not admitting anything, mind. And I don't want any trouble. I'm sure you don't. Then uh, can't we come to an arrangement? No. 
we can't. What do you mean? I thought you said that If we... there's any dealing to be done, I prefer to do it with the real owner of the Samaritan Club. I am the owner. I don't think so. Soon after you opened this place, you nearly went bankrupt. Somebody supplied you with a large sum of money. That is the person I'll deal with. You could be sorry for that choice, Mr. Black. Ah, Mr. Mortimer. I was wondering when you were coming out. Oh, don't you think that gun is a little melodramatic? I like to be prepared. How did you know it was I who found the money for Monty? Common sense. You hadn't enough money yourself. Your wife certainly wouldn't have supplied it. So she was the first victim of the murder scheme. Probably she'd found out that you'd been swindling her and was threatening to become very nasty about it. Right? Very clever of you. Who actually did the killing? Was it Bradley? Does it matter? Uh, you hit on the right method when you explained the plan to Monty. Only it was my idea, not his. Five murders and only three people to do them. Somebody must have worked overtime. Was it you, Mortimer? Please yourself. It won't matter. No, I suppose not. They'll sort it out at the trial. Oh, there isn't going to be any trial. We were going to discuss a deal, remember? I never discuss deals at the point of a gun. It gives the other side too much advantage. Put the damn thing away, Mortimer. You couldn't use it, even if you wanted to. Makes too much noise. Shall we continue with the deal? You haven't a great advantage, have you? No, not really. I mean, nothing that's been said here counts. It's only your word against ours. Iris Carr? Uh, <laughs> I have an idea you're bluffing there, Blake. I doubt if Linfield would have poured out the whole story over the telephone, uh, particularly as he intended coming to see you. Uh, but as Monty said, we don't want a lot of trouble. Anything of that sort attaching to the Samaritan would be so bad for business. Frighten off the mugs with rich wives, eh? There'll be no more of that. I see. You'll rely in future on the faked roulette wheel and stacked decks of cars. <laughs> You've forgotten the loaded dice. Stop all this nonsense and let's get down to brass tacks. Now, what do you want? Make me an offer. Well, since you haven't really a lot to sell, uh, a 10,000 pounds. What are you trying to do? Protect your investors. I doubt if you'll be paying a dividend this year. You've absolutely no evidence, you know. A theory, even if it's correct, isn't proof. Large sums of money have been paid over by Bradley and Woodthorpe for, um, services rendered. That can be traced. Not a hope. This is a gambling club. They had very heavy losses. We've got nothing on us. Nothing at all. It could be unpleasant if the police started making inquiries. Hence the reason for the £10,000. Well, half a loaf, I suppose, is better than a limp handshake. Get the money out of the safe, Monty. Very good. Oh, there you are. Ten lots of a thousand in tenors. Bit bulky. Oh, don't worry. I bought a briefcase. Uh, just a little safeguard for us. I shall want you to sign a receipt. Um, in consideration for the sum of ten thousand pounds, I agree not to proceed further in the matter discussed between us. Uh, write that out, will you, Monty? Very good. What a nice legal mind you've got, Mortimer. Thank you, Mr. Blake. If you tried to pull a fast one on that little document, it wouldn't look too good for you. Or you? It doesn't mention the matter we discussed. But it does show that you accepted a bribe. Discredit the witness, eh? Very well. Is that Fine, uh, just sign there, Mr. Blake, and the deal is completed. Not quite, Mortimer. You need an independent witness to this, don't you? I could dispute that it was my signature. That's the point. Monty, ring down and ask Ginger to send Slade up. He'll do. Send Slade up to my flat. And hurry. Care for a drink, Mr. Blake? Uh, no, thank you. Oh, that's Slade. I'll go and let him in. Oh, the devil! I'm Detective Chief Inspector Cooper. Uh, come in, Coot. I think you gave me the letter you left. Been waiting below. That's right, Governor. My old ginger play ball. I don't know what you're playing at, Blake, but it... It won't get you anywhere. It's going to get you in court on a charge of murder. Rubbish! You see, before I came here, I dictated a full statement of what I intended to say and how I expected you to react. Dated, timed, and witnessed. Coots has got that at Scotland Yard. That's right. Have a job to explain away that bribe if there was no truth in Blake's accusation. Bradley and Woodthorpe wouldn't stand up to a cross-examination. When the murder plots exploded, they'll collapse. I'll settle with you anyway! Oh, you're a dumb, you fool! Give me that! Oh! <laughs> That'll keep Mortimer quiet for a bit. Hurt my knuckles. Oh, well done, Coot, but Gospel's in a bad way. Go and find a doctor, Tinker, quickly. Okay, Governor. I hope he survives long enough to make a statement. 
You took a risk and you played off the cuff. Hadn't you better get Mortimer away before he comes round? That was a beautiful right cross, Coots. <laughs> Bit of sheer luck, Blake. I'll phone for a police car. What's this place called? The Samaritan Club? Yes. Ironical, isn't it? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Mr. Quexley, sir. Thank you. Uh, this is on me. Here, well done, Lord. A take for the sandwiches as well, will you? Right, thank you, sir. Cheers. Funny thing, Blake, you must be psychic. I was going to ring you. Sudden nostalgia after nearly three years? No. Just a queer thing I can't explain. Your change and the sandwiches, sir. Oh, thanks. Sorry, Quexley. Take a look at these. Playing cards. Ten, knave, queen... King of Spades, almost a royal flush. Been playing poker? No. You see that line of writing on each card? Now, if you take them in order of value, you get... A message, yes, I see. Seek for the ace at the stairs between two gates. Ask for the black Zambomba, says the Sin Eater. What's it mean? You tell me. How did you get these cards? By post. All together? No, no, separately. Enclosed in cheap envelopes. The address was all right, but... Well, I've no more idea than the man in the moon who sent them or what they mean. What's, um, a black zambomba? It's a child's toy, a kind of musical instrument. Spanish origin. What was the postmark? Maidstone. I don't know anybody in Maidstone. Quite an intriguing little puzzle. Could be some sort of advertisement, I suppose. Or a joke. Mm, what's the point? A little obscure, I'll admit. Well, I'm afraid we must be off, Quick. Oh, no, you'll have another drink. Sorry, old man, I have an urgent appointment in London, and we shall only just make it. We only stopped because Paula's stomach was screaming for nourishment. But I'm only halfway through these sandwiches. Bring them with you. You can have mine as well. I'll keep in touch with you, Quexley. Fine. Can I take these cards? Of course. Oh, here, you'd better have my phone number. I've got a pencil somewhere. Use this. Thank you. There you are. And don't forget to ring. I won't. So long, old man. Sorry to have to rush off. Good night, Mr. Quexley. Bye-bye, Miss Dane. Bye, Blake. Look forward to hearing from you. Jasper. Yes, sir? Bring me another large scotch, will you? Now hop in. We'll have to step on it. Well, it's been quite a day. 
Yes. Nice to see old Quexy again. Pity we had to rush away. Like to have had a chat over old times. Can you make any sense out of the message on those playing cards? He said I must be psychic, but I can assure you I'm not. What's the senator when he's at home? What? Oh, in the old days, he was a chap who, for a small fee, was supposed to take all the sins of a recently dead person to himself by eating bread beside the corpse. Ooh, charming. Doesn't help much to explain the message on those cards, does it? Now, why don't you finish eating the sandwiches you're clutching so desperately? I wonder how many sandwiches I'd have to eat to take up all your sins. Or is that just a polite way of telling me to shut up? I want to think over this Quexley puzzle. Oh, all right. I'll be as dumb as an oyster. All the way back to Barclay Square. Uh, Sexton Blake speaking. Blake! Blake! <coughs> I've been shot! Quexley? What? Listen. Not much time... They broke in those playing cards. Quixley, can you hear me? Quixley, Quixley, Quixley. Now, come on, come on. Operator, listen, this is urgent. Connect me with the police station at Larkminster. Larkminster. No, I don't know the number. Never mind about the supervisor. Get me through as quickly as you can. A man's life may depend on it. Go on, hurry. Tinker, Tinker, wake up. Come to my room, it's urgent. What's up, Governor? What's all the racket about? I can't stop to explain. I'm on the phone. Hello? Hello? Damn it, why don't they get a move on? Hello, Larkminster Police? Listen, Sergeant, this is Sexton Blake speaking. Send round at once to Mr. Quexley's house. Mr. Quexley? He's been shot. Take a doctor with you. Don't talk, man. Get busy. It's serious. I'm coming down straight away. I'll answer any questions when I get there. Hurry. Do you say that Mr. Quexley's been shot, Governor? Yes. Get dressed as quickly as you can. How did it happen? I'll tell you all I know on the way. Hurry up, Tinker, and get the car. It's just after 2.30. We ought to get to Larkminster about 4.45. Mr. Quexley was dead when we got here, sir. Shot twice through the chest. Both bullets pierced his lungs. The doctor said he practically drowned in his own blood. Poor old Quexley. They've made a pretty thorough mess of the place, Inspector Hedges. Oh, they certainly have. Looking for those playing cards. There's little doubt that was the objective. Mr. Quexley surprised them and they shot him. Have you any idea what the message on the cards means, Mr. Blank? Not at the moment, Inspector. Well, do you think that Mr. Quexley was telling the truth when he told you that he didn't know anything about it, or who sent him? Yes, I'm fairly sure he was. Hmm. How well did you know Mr. Quexley, sir? We were old friends. Quexley was a journalist, political stuff, mostly foreign affairs. He was attached to the Chronicle for a number of years. Oh. Then he came into a bit of money uh, on the death of an uncle, I believe. And I lost track of him until I ran into him at the pub last night. I see. He didn't say anything at all that might help to explain this business, sir. There wasn't time to talk much. I had an appointment with the Home Secretary and had to dash away to get back to London in time. If I'd known what was going to happen to the poor it chap... It didn't strike you that there was anything serious about the message on the cards? Would it have struck you, Inspector? Well, no, sir, I can't say it would. More like a sort of crossword puzzle. Well, we may find some sort of clue when we go through all this litter, but, of course, we can't touch anything until the photographers and fingerprint chaps have been. I doubt if you'll find anything. I must be getting back to London. I'm leaving my assistant to have a prowl around the village. Any special object, Governor? No, just a picker-up of unconsidered trifles. Quexley must have made a few friends when he came to live here. See if they can tell you anything. Well, I thought you were sure that Mr. Quexley didn't know anything about the playing cards. That doesn't necessarily mean that someone he knew didn't and doesn't. Use your common sense. Goodbye to the present, Inspector. Oh, goodbye, Mr. Blake. I'll let you know if we get on to anything. I'll do the same. Here, Governor. If you're going to take the car, how do I get back? Hire a car from somewhere. Or you might try hitchhiking. Though I hardly think you've got the right sort of legs to be very successful. Mr. Blake isn't available at the moment. No, I've no idea... I'm sorry, but I can't give you any information at all. Yes, I understand that. I... I'll give Mr. Blake your message. Y yes, I'll make it quite clear. Goodbye. Ooh. I'm back, Paula. Anything important? Well, they've been ringing up from the home office all morning. They don't sound a bit pleased. It's the starch in their diet. You said you'd let them know this morning if you would undertake that... I know, I know. You got my note about poor Quexley. Yes, I'm terribly sorry. Did you find out anything at Larkminster? Nothing. Tinker's still there making inquiries. I doubt whether they'll amount to much. 
Did you get on to Chief Inspector Coots? Yes, he's ringing back. Good. What about any other Quexley? It's an unusual name. There can't be many of them. I've got Nichols on to that. Oh, if that's a home office again, what do I say? The first thing that comes into your head. It's a language, they understand. Oh, very fun. Mr. Sexton Blake's residence? Oh, hold on a second, please. It's Chief Inspector Coots. Hello, Coots, old man. Nothing at all, eh? I thought it was just possible there might be something in CRO. Oh, take too long to explain now. I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. You always are in a hurry. Take it a bit more easily. You'll be getting stomach ulcers. So long, John. Thanks for your trouble. There's no record of anyone called a sin eater. No. Give Mrs. Bardell to make a pot of coffee, will you, Paula? Very strong. Yes, of course. I don't want to see anybody. Don't worry, I'll go. Oh! Anything the matter, Paula? Just as you told me, this bird's going to get her face sliced, see? We don't want no trouble. Don't! Let me go, you... Who are you? What do you want? We want those playing cards, mate. That's all. Just them cards. after Mr. Quexley left the pub last night, landlord. That's right. He wanted to know Mr. Quexley's address. Actually, he didn't come in because I was just closing up. You gave him the address? Well, I didn't see any harm in it. He was a pleasant sort of chap. Stoutish, rather red-faced. Of course, if I'd have known, you couldn't, could you? You'd never seen this man before, I suppose? No, sir. He was a stranger to me. Had he got a car? Yeah. I didn't see it, but I heard it. Would you recognise him again if you saw him? Yes, I'm sure I would. He got a large mole on the corner of his mouth, just about here. Well, that may be helpful. You're a Londoner, aren't you, Mr. Jasper? That's right, sir. Only took over the lark a year ago. Be quiet after the smoke, eh? Yeah, you're right there, sir. This is the first bit of excitement we've had. I suppose robbery was the motive. Was anything valuable stolen? Well, the police are still checking up. I hope they get whoever did it. You know, that chap didn't look like a burglar. Well, there's no evidence that he was. Except that it's a queer thing he should come here asking for the address on the same night that it happened, don't you think so, sir? Well, you may be able to explain that when we find him. Maybe you're right, sir. Is there any place I can hire a car to get me back to London? Not in the village. The nearest place you get anything like that would be Retford. It's just over seven miles. Seven miles? Yeah, yeah, just a minute, sir. When do you want to go? Well, as soon as possible. Miss Joan will be driving up to London in about 20 minutes. She'll take you, I'm pretty sure. Miss Joan? Miss Joan Clements. She's the vicar's daughter. This is her day for going up to London. Why don't you pop round at the vicarage and see her? She'd take you willingly. Well, I can but try, can't I? Well, thanks a lot, Mr Jasper. You're welcome, sir. You'll find it'll be all right. The vicarage is just along the road and it's next to the church. Yeah, I know. I, I pass it on the way here. Well, goodbye and thanks again. Come on, now. Look, Slippy. We ain't got the rest of the blasted week. Chuck her with them cards. What cards? Shall I give her a chicken with a nice thing? No! Did you hurt that girl? What can you do, eh? She'd lose half her face before you could blink. Ain't that right, kid? <laughs> That's right, mate. <laughs> now, I ain't touchy yet, darling. You don't want to start singing before you've got something to sing about. Who sent you here? Who was it, Ted? Was it the Duke or the Archbishop? I can't remember now, can you? <laughs> I thought it was his royal highness. I haven't got the cards you want. Don't push the bird's luck, mate. Ted, dish him for a bit of fun with his knife. The police have got them. Where shall I start the carving, Steve? What about a bit of... No! I don't like spoiling a pretty thing like you, sweetheart. I Listen, do. I have not got those cards. I'll give you just one minute to hand them over or the bird gets it. Good and proper. Don't answer it. Let it ring. That's it. Let it ring. What do you mean? If that call isn't answered, it'll be automatically transferred to the porter's office downstairs. So what? The porter knows that both Miss Dane and myself are in. We always tell him when this flat is left empty so that the switchboard girl can take incoming calls. We couldn't care less, mate. But you will. In my profession, one has to take precautions. The porter has instructions to notify the police if he suspects anything. Right. He'll be suspicious when he knows that we are in, but haven't answered the phone. He's bluffing, Steve. This building will be full of police in about one minute, thirty seconds. You'll find it difficult to get away... Unless you go now. Come on, Ted. I ain't risking it. Oh, I'll leave the bird. Yeah, you fool. Come on. Oh. Put Rogers on the house phone, Miss Baker. It's urgent. Oh. All right, Paula. Oh, well, just a little shaky. Rogers, there are two young thugs on the way down. Usual type. I want them followed. They believed you about the porter and the telephone. I was afraid the phone would ring again and spoil it. I didn't do anything with that knife at your throat. Well, he'd have loved to have used it. Yeah, drink this brandy. It'll pull you together. I wonder who that phone call was from. The home office again, probably. Hmm. 
They have their uses after all. Do you want me to? Yes? I see. Well, it can't be helped. You did. Well done. Yes, all right, Rogers. They got away. Went off like the wind on motorbikes. Rogers got the number of one of them. Well, we can check up on that. Yes, do that, Paula. Here's the number. How would you enjoy a breath of sea air? Sea air? Health-giving ozone. Clean and invigorating. Be ready to leave in 15 minutes. Are you serious? Very. Going. To follow up the message on those playing cards, we're going to find the ace, and I hope the black Zambomba. All right. I'll see you downstairs in 15 minutes. Well, here we are. The stairs between two gates. Broad stairs. Exactly. It lies between Margaret and Ramsgate. Simple. When you know. How did you know? Correlation of ideas. Those two young thugs, healthy tans, fights at seaside towns, Margate. And the whole thing clicked. Very clever. And what next? We look for the ace. I imagine that it's some place called the Ace of Spades or something of a kind. There's a restaurant over there. Perhaps they'd know. Paula, you're not hankering after food again, are you? It's becoming a fetish. It may have slipped your memory, Mr. Blake, but I haven't had anything to eat since my breakfast. Well, you'll have to wait. Now, here's the police station. That's the most likely place to find out. Uh, in here, Paula... Ah, good afternoon, Sergeant. My name's Sexton Blake. I'm looking for somewhere in Broadstairs called the Ace. Ace of Spades, something like that, perhaps? Any ideas? Well, I don't know of any place called the Ace. Not round here, Mr. Blake. Is there anything, perhaps, with the initials A-C-E, Sergeant? Oh, not that I can recall, sir. It could be a guest house or, or a bungalow, perhaps. Well, I haven't heard of anything of that kind, miss. You could try a directory. Here, hold on a minute. There's the arms houses. Arms houses? Yes. The Anne Codrington Estate, sir. They was built by a wealthy old lady, Miss Anne Codrington. Got a stone plaque over the front with her name and the date, 1902. How do we get to them? Oh, it's not far, sir. Just off Stone Road, on the way to North Foreland. Well, thanks for your help, Sergeant. We'll get along. You're welcome, sir. I hope it's what you're looking for. Yes, so do I. Oh, um, one more question. Do you know of anyone in the district who's called or known as the Sin Eater? The Sin Eater? Queer sort of name, sir. No, I'm afraid I don't. I'm sorry. No, never mind, Sergeant. Thanks again. Go on, Paula. There you are, Mr. Blake. The Anne Codrington Estate. Four quite attractive little cottages. Which one do we choose? We might try number one. The A stands for the highest or the lowest value. Shall I come with you? As long as you don't chunter on about food. Come on. Can I speak to you for a moment, madam? If you're selling something, I don't want it. If you want something, I ain't got it. Well, that seems to cover everything. Uh, if I could just have a word with you. What do you want? If it's about the telly, I ain't got one. I've called about the Black Zambomba. Oh, is that it? You, oh, you better come in. Uh, thank you. <laughs> They're always trying to sell you something that is round here. And if it ain't that it's collecting, it gets on your nerves. I'm sure it must be very trying, Mrs. Uh... Glibber. Agnes Glibber. <laughs> I was in the middle of getting me supper. Uh, you'll be Mr. Quexley, I suppose. I'm acting for Mr. Quexley. Oh, he said I was to give it to Mr. Quexley. The Sin Eater. What? The Sin Eater told you to give the Black Zambomba to Mr. Quexley. Oh, I don't know nothing about no Sin Eater. Uh, who are you? You ain't Mr. Quixley, so what do you know about it, eh? Mrs. Glibber, I think I ought to tell you that this is a very serious business. A man has already been murdered. Oh, Lord of mercy. Not Carlo, was it? Carlo? Carlo who? Carlo Rossi. Mr. Blake, that's the man. Yes, all right, Paula. Oh. Mrs. Glibber, please tell me everything you know about Carlo Rossi. Well, well, I don't know, I'm sure. It'd be easier to tell me than the police, wouldn't it? The police? Was it Carlo what was murdered? Why should you think it was? Well, he never come back, you see. It worried me, it did, but I didn't rightly know what to do. You know Carlo Rossi well? He's my nephew. My, my sister married an Italian. During the First World War, it was. She's dead now. Uh, only she was younger than me. I, n I never met her husband, and I'd only met young Carlo once before he'd come here. When did he come here? Well, it'd be about um, two weeks ago. 
Oh, that'll be the kettle. I was just going to make a cup of it. Uh, I'll make it for you, shall I? Yes, do that, will you, Paula? The tea's already in the pot, miss. Now, Mrs. Glibber, your nephew, Carlo Rossi, came here to see you two weeks ago. That's right. Uh, he wanted to know if he could stop here for a couple of nights. Fair got the jitters I had. I could tell he was in some sort of trouble. Up and down like a monkey on a stick, and he kept looking out of the window. When young Johnny knocked, he wouldn't let me go to the door until he'd called out who he was. Who's young Johnny? Oh, he's the son of a lady friend. What does Eddins for me now and again? Oh, thank you, miss. Go on, Mrs. Glibber. Did Carlo Rossi tell you what was worrying him? Well, he said it was nothing. His nerves was upset that I wasn't born yesterday. Scared stiff he was or something. If you asked me, somebody was after him. What happened next? Well, I give him a bed in the spare room, but he didn't sleep much. Walking about half the night he was. And when he come down in the morning, he looked shocking. I've got to be on my way, Aunt Agnes, he said. And that's when he give me that thing. The Zambomba. Yes, that's right. It was a funny-looking thing, like a black jam jar with the top covered over by, by a bit of parchment stuff. It's got a stick through the middle. He told me to keep it somewhere safe, as it was very valuable. If he didn't come back, I was to give it to a man named Quixley who'd come for it. Mm. And then he left? Well, not till the evening. No, he gave them letters to Johnny, and he asked him to post them. Four of them there was. The playing cards. What'd you say? Uh, never mind. Go on, Mrs. Glibber. Well, Carlo told him not to post them all at the same time and not anywhere in the district. He gave Johnny three pounds, he did. Johnny's got a married sister what lives at Maidstone. He gave them to her to post. It was all addressed to Mr. Quexley. I know. Could I have the black sand bomber? Well, I suppose it's all right. I've got it in the back room. I'll fetch it. I can't get about very quickly these days. It's me arthritis. It's beginning to gel, Paula. They're going to get a shock at the home office. Do them good. Talk about killing two birds with one stone. I bet you never expected the home office job would link up with this, did you? And Mrs. Glibber's coming back. Oh, here it is. It don't look all that valuable, do it? Well, it depends on what's inside. Let's open it carefully, Paula. full of cotton wool. And there's, there's something hard in the middle. A child's glass marble. Hello, Paula. Where's the governor? I don't know. Playing marbles with the home secretary, probably. Doing what? Oh, I get it. You're talking about the marble in the Zambomba thing. Has the governor found out what it means? I wouldn't know. It's being a bit oysterish. Well, he likes springing a surprise. It gives him his kicks. Mm, and I've got a little surprise I'm going to spring on him. Well, it's difficult to surprise the governor. He usually knows all about it already. Oh, here he is now. Hello, you two. Gossiping as usual. I've got Nichols' report on the Quexleys. It doesn't matter now. You'll never believe what I'm going to tell you. You know. About the Quexley we wanted, yes. He's been working as a rather obscure civil servant in a department of the Home Office. Bang goes the little surprise, Paula. Eh? Oh, never mind. Have you seen this, Quexley? No, he's away on leave. A walking tour in Scotland or something. It just shows how these government departments are run. Most of the staff don't even know the name of the chap along the passage or what his job is. What's Quexley's job? From what I can gather, he initialed forms which were then passed on for somebody else to read. However, he doesn't matter very much. But I thought he was the man to whom Carlo Rossi intended to send the cards. Oh, yes, he was, but he doesn't know anything about it. By the way, how did you get back from Larkminster, Tinker? Managed to hire a car? I hitchhiked. The vicar's daughter gave me a lift to London, and she did have the right legs. <laughs> Fine. Well, what's the next move, Gov? Masterly inactivity until this evening. And what happens then? We tie everything up neatly and call it a day. Quite a nice problem it was, really, when you come to think of it. Out you get. You're too late for a drink. It's closed. There's still a light in the bar. Perhaps we can get the landlord to open up for us. I do wish I knew what you were up to. Same here.
Who is it? Good evening, Mr. Jasper. Remember me, Sexton Blake? I'm sorry, sir. We're closed. I don't want to drink. I just want to ask you a question. Uh, can we come in? Well, yes, come in, sir. Well, what was the question, sir? Mr. Jasper, what have you done with Carlo Rossi? I don't know what you mean, sir. Perhaps I should have said the body of Carlo Rossi. Mr. Blake, this is my home, and I... Keep your hand away from that drawer, Jasper. This gun is small, but it's very effective. I tell you, I know... I'll do the talking. You're a member of the Cosa Nostra, better known perhaps as the Mafia. So was Rossi. Until he got sick of all the killings and the violence. What a blaze are you talking about? I know nothing about the Mafia. The Mafia don't like any of their members getting out. They liked it less in Rossi's case because he knew the name of the man who was head of the British organisation. All this has got nothing to and do with... And that is you, Jasper. You're talking nonsense. Rossi came to England with the Mafia hot on his heels. He was badly frightened, but he was determined to get his information into the right hands. During the war, he worked with the resistance movement in France. The liaison officer was a man named Quexley... Not the Quexley you murdered. Another Quexley. Another Quexley? Rossi's code name was the Sin Eater, and communications were written in code on playing cards. Rossi knew that anything he sent on playing cards to Quexley, particularly if it included the name Sin Eater, would be understood. But he sent them to the wrong Quexley. That was a shock for you, Jasper, when this one showed me the cards in the bar. But you didn't know I'd taken them. You were called away to the other bar, and when you came back, I'd gone. You shot poor Quexley, but it wasn't until you couldn't find the cards that you realised that I'd got them. There's not a word of truth in all this. You sent those two thugs to get the cards from me. Steve Munt's been pulled in and he'll talk. So will Ted when the police get hold of him. You can't connect me with any thugs, Mr Blake. I don't know anything about them. Now, will you go, please? I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Open the door, Tinker. Right, Gov. I'm sure Inspector Hedges is getting tired of waiting. The police are going to tear this place apart, Jasper, and there's nothing you can do about it because they have a special home office warrant. I'll carry on, Inspector. Right, sir. I'll keep an eye on Mr. Jasper right here. Oh, dear. I don't know how I'm going to get through a day's work tomorrow. Today? You would come, Paula. Well, I wasn't going to miss anything. Well, you didn't. Anyway, there's enough on Jasper to keep him out of circulation for a good many years. And we've got a list of all the mafia who have infiltrated into the country. That'll please the Home Office. And the body of Carlo Rossi in that barrel in the cellar. How did you know Rossi would be there? No, I didn't. It was a long shot. He must have decided to come down and keep an eye on Jasper himself. Or, more likely, he was brought down for Jasper to question by one of the mafia who were trailing him. Well, the Home Office asked you to find Carlo Rossi, and you found him. They were getting worried about the mafia starting up in England in a big way. Rumours had reached them that Rossi knew the man in charge. That's why they asked me to look for him. What put you wise about Jasper Gunn? Rossi. How? The marble in the black Zambomba. How the dickens does that link up with Jasper? Well, Jasper in French signifies marble. Strictly speaking, Jasper, to face with marble. Like a fireplace or something like that. It was the nearest Rossi could get, but it was good enough. Oh. I do hope we haven't got a busy day. I feel like sleeping for a week. You needn't come in till after lunch. Think you can look after anything urgent? Oh, look, Gov. I want to rest, too. I've got to be freshened this evening. Why particularly? I've got a date. Not with the vicar's daughter. Why not? She's an absolute smasher. She's got everything. Including a vicar for a father. <laughs> All right, good luck, old chap. Sexton Blake, David Gregory, Tinker, and Heather Chasen, Paula. Mr. Jasper, the landlord of the Morning Lark, was played by James Beck, Daniel Quexley and Ted Clint by Henry Stamper, Inspector Hedges by Ronald Badley, Steve Munt and the police sergeant, Norman Mitchell, and Agnes Glibber was played by Betty Hardy. The series was devised for radio by Philip Ridgway and produced by Alistair Scott Johnston.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.